And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, <laughs> when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the quintessential Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Bob Bailey stars as the man with the action-packed expense account, yours truly, Johnny Dollar from 1956. But first, it's Name That Tune. Lisa Wolf Cullen will play short clips from popular Elvis songs and a Hollywood 360 listener contestant in studio named Doug. And I will try to name that tune. Right, Doug? Exactly correct, Carl. Yep, we got it. So I have chosen some great Elvis Presley songs, although most of them are great, so it was an easy choice for me. And um, as soon as I play a clip, you just yell out the title of the song, and we'll go from there. Uh, you ready? All right. I'm ready. Gotta we be have a heated competition going <laughs> here. Here's your first Elvis song. Jailhouse Rock. Blue Suede Shoes. You got a little excited. Yes, it is. Blue Suede Shoes is absolutely right. But I think I said another one first. It's okay. You got it out. It just took you a minute. All right, so that Doug. is absolutely right. Blue Suede Shoes, written and first recorded by Carl Perkins in 1955. Elvis, a fellow Carl. Yeah, he spells it the right version. way. Yeah, and, a fellow um, Carl. Elvis recorded this song in 1956. Wow, 1956. And listen to that. Well, you can knock me down. Oh, Different verse. This is one of these times... We might want to let Elvis do the work here. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I just saw a show about Carl Perkins, and of course he sang this song in the oh, show. Man. Not he, the literal one, but the actor. All right, let me hang on a second. I'm up one. There you go. Here's the next song. I know it's tough. Well, it's over. What it's Jailhouse it? Rock. Oh, Jailhouse Rock. All it's right. easier when you're not playing the game somehow. This is Jailhouse Rock, recorded by Elvis for the film Jailhouse Rock, of course. Remember the remember the film? It was a good film. And it was uh, in the movies. Yep. Yeah. The, the song was released in '57. Mm. House Rock with me, let's rock. Somehow, when you're home playing, it seems a lot easier than when you're sitting oh, yeah. in the studio and the pressure's on. You've you gotten it right away, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Every time. 
<laughs> All right. I'm. Uh, let me just uh, say I'm still up one. Yes, I, I, I've got that. I've got that in my brain. It's indelled in my brain. Here's the third song. Love me tender. I didn't hear. Love me tender. No. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. There it is. All shook up. I'm all shook up. There it is. So this topped the charts in uh, 1957 for eight weeks. Great song. There you go. You tied things up. I can't seem to stand on my own two feet. Who do you think I'm going to have such I'm in love. I'm all sugar. That one listener that was complaining about you singing. And, and I think he's right. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm really and truly. He was like, Carl, please let the listeners listen to the songs a little bit, you know. And so I did it for one week. You tried. I tr- you did I, it a little bit. I did it for one week, but. It's, it's hard. It's very it's difficult. difficult. It's very yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all right. So we're tied up. We're Here tied we go. up. That was, that's for you, Doug. Here's the all next right, Elvis up. song recorded in 1956. Don't be cruel. There it is. Oh, yeah. That's exactly right. Don't be cruel. Inducted into the Grammy Lisa, Hall of Fame. Why don't you, why don't you listen to that? Don't, don't be cruel. Yeah, take I really should take, take that, that to heart. heart. Take that to heart a little I bit. I will. I'm going to try harder to be nice. Uh, it's true. I'm going to do that. I don't know. This was listed. No, I'll just wait. Two times. I really love you, baby. <laughs> Cross my heart. I should have done the music. I should have done the singing in the Elvis song. Don't you think, Diane? I should have done this. They should have hired me to do the, uh, to do all the singing in the Elvis uh, movie. In the Elvis movie. Yeah, I would have. I would have charged them a lot, oh, but they could right. afford it. It was a big budget movie. Right. Right. Yeah, you could have done a great job. Yeah. I can tell by listening. <laughs> I'm trying to get a singing gig out of this show. That's what right. I'm hoping for. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't. I know. I right. can't Shocking, believe it either. Isn't it? Can't believe it either. Wow. Well, in 2004, this uh, song was listed as number 197 in Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs yeah. of all time. Don't be cruel. Yep. Lisa? I, I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to be nicer. All right. So, dogs up. You're up. All right. Here You're we go. Me. Wise men say, um, 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 You can say the lyrics. But that's not the title. Come on. Only fools <laughs> rush. Here it is. What? But I <laughs> My can't God. help falling in love. Thank you. <laughs> what is it? I can't help falling in love. It, they literally were about to say it. Right. Diana was like about to blurt it out in your back of your face there. You know, I started out good. I started out good. Did. And now you're beating me by three. What? Yeah, you can't catch up. Man, what happened, I can't Carl? Catch up? No. What happened to you? I don't know. I'm a big Elvis fan, too. I know, but it's not coming across here. Elvis So recorded by Elvis the building. for the album Blue Hawaii in oh, 1961. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Falling in love. You know what, Carl? Maybe it's too romantic for you. This that is, must this be one it. Is, this one is. I, it's just, I like he his has rock no romance, and roll. So. It's rock and roll song. So it's probably my fault that he didn't get it, it right because I picked the wrong it's song. Absolutely. It's too slow for him. When I get him right, you do good. Right. And when I get him wrong, you do it, bad. I did something wrong. Yeah. For sure. For that's, sure. That's, that's I, how it is. I subscribe to that theory. Oh, I know. I know. I'm, I, I get that. All right, is there another one? There is. All right. Here we go. This is the final song, oh, 1968. Pressure's on. 
We're caught in a trap. <laughs> I can't walk out. Unchained Melody? No. no. That's, that's a good one, though. I don't think that's an Elvis song, is it? Oh. That's, uh, he covered it. Isn't that, uh, <laughs> Fleetwood Mac? I'm caught in, caught in a trap? No. What is this song? Um, when you don't it was a number one song in 1969. This is seriously one of his most memorable hits. We can't go on together. Oh, Suspicious Minds. There it is. You just got it in the nick of time. Suspicious Woo. Minds. Woo. So it was first recorded by Mark James. That recording failed. And then Elvis uh, Presley did it, and it was number one, 1969. Wow. Elvis. Elvis. You know what, Doug? You Doug, did a great job. You guess what? Carl, you have not, uh, you no. have not beat anybody you yet beat tonight. Me name that tune. Oh. Great job. Thank and you. Diana mopped the floor <laughs> with me over there. I beat the host, so. That's for sure. Ah, great job, Doug. Thank <laughs> you, sir. All right, terrific. All right, when we come back... It's yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Mike Bubble Bath Costello's favorite radio show. We'll be right back. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, this was uh, this was one of the best radio series of all time, in my opinion. Um, it was so cool because he wasn't really a detective; he was an insurance investigator, and he um, he was freelance. He worked for himself, and and uh, different uh, insurance companies would hire him to figure out is this a real claim? You know, because if it was a real claim. They'd have to pay out. And so they thought, let's hire Johnny Dollar. And maybe there was some monkey business going on. And if so, we wouldn't have to pay the claim. They'd have to pay his fee. But that was usually less than the claim. That's how it worked, Lisa. Got it. Following it? Yes, I'm I'm listening. I'm a good listener, Carl. And so he worked um, for quasi-worked for the Universal Adjustment Bureau in Hartford, Connecticut, and he traveled the world recovering valuables for a cut of the goods, you know, a lot of times. And then each story was recounted in flashback. And he would list uh, his uh, line items, you know, expense account, number one, taxi cab fare to the airport. And then they would say, like, getting on a, uh, a plane, you know, $12.75 right. to fly to New Jersey. You know? Right. Um, so it's kind of fun to listen to that. 
And this particular episode starred Bob Bailey, and we think he's probably the best Johnny Dollar. This is called The Markham Matter, November 18th, 1956. Here's part one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Dollar. This is Ed Porter, Mr. Dollar. You called my office? Yes, I'd like to see you as soon as I can, Mr. Porter. Well, of course. How long have you been in town? About a half an hour. Are you all squared away? I've got a room and I've had a bath, if that's what you mean. Well, then I guess you're ready to go to work. I will be as soon as I put on some pants. You sound in a rush. I'm always in a rush when I think somebody might be chipping us out of $100,000. Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Western Life and Trust Company, 826 Spear Boulevard, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Markham matter. Expense account item one, $143.69, air transportation from Hartford to San Francisco. Item two, $17 for incidentals along the way, including transportation from the airport to the St. Francis Hotel. I walked the eight blocks to the Commodore building where Ed Porter had his office on the fourth floor. He was a short, thin insurance broker with a face like a tight drum. He apologized for the clammy weather as though it were his fault. He asked me how things were out on the East Coast and invited me to sit down and looked as uncomfortable as he was. I uh, got the telegram you were coming last night. Investigator, I've never met one in all my years in the business. Must be very interesting work. Yeah, yeah. Look, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Mr. Porter, but I would like to get some information from you. Oh, certainly, Mr. Dollar. What can you tell me about a man named Floyd Markham? Markham? Well, he's the husband of a client of mine. I've met him, but I really can't tell you too much about him. My dealings have always been with Mrs. Markham. She's my customer. Then tell me about Mrs. Markham. Oh, certainly. I, uh, I'm not going to ask why. I'm sure you have a good reason for coming all the way to San Francisco. The home office thinks I have an excellent reason. Yes. Uh, Mrs. Markham. Well, uh, I've known her for 20 years as a customer. She's wealthy, always has been. And she handles her money well, and she lives rather well. Mrs. Markham's the one who has the money, huh? Uh, Mr. Markham is a salaried man, an industrial engineer. Frankly, I think he depends on Mrs. Markham for his livelihood. Oh, yeah. These two checks were issued to Mrs. Markham this year. Recognize them? Mm, yes, yes. Uh, full payments on two endowment policies, $50,000 apiece. And they've cleared the bank. Anything wrong with them? Nothing wrong with the checks. On payoffs like this, I always take it in person. It's a custom, of course, to call and make an appointment and deliver the check to the client. Mm-hmm. And try to sell a little more insurance in the bargain. Well, <laughs> that's about the idea, yes. Yeah. Anything strange about Mrs. Markham when you delivered either one of these checks? But no. Before I left Hartford, I looked up her insurance records. Her premiums are always paid right on the button. Mrs. Markham doesn't have a business office or a business manager handling her affairs. The checks are always personal checks on her personal account. Now, can you explain why someone like that might forget a third endowment policy? Why, no. Well, there is a third endowment policy. It matured this month. I have the check with me for $50,000. 
Well, yes, but this business of forgetting... Floyd Markham called Hartford and spoke to the head of the endowment division. He explained that Mrs. Markham was ill and didn't know whether or not a third policy existed. He said he was checking for her. Uh-huh. Now, you say you've known Mrs. Markham over a period of 20 years. Well, is she the kind of person who'd forget $50,000? No one forgets $50,000. Did you notice that both of those checks were deposited in the Markham's joint accounts? Well, no. So they were. Maybe Mrs. Markham's feeling generous these days. Why do you say that? Well, they have a rather strange relationship as far as I've been able to perceive. I mean, what money he makes is his and what she has is hers. Oh, yeah. I always like to get out of that house because they never seem to me to be a very close couple in, in any way. But this seems to make sense now. How's that, Mr. Porter? Well, now, I called up and made an appointment to deliver both of these checks. The first time I went over, Mrs. Markham was ill. And the second time, she had just stepped out for a few minutes. Well, who accepted the checks? Mr. Markham. Both times? Yes. As a matter of fact, now that I think of it, he made the appointment on the phone both times. When was the last time you saw Mrs. Markham? Last spring. A check with the bank revealed that Mrs. Markham had not personally made a deposit since June the 18th. The deposit slips were initialed by Floyd Markham. The checks were endorsed by Leslie Markham. There had been no unusual withdrawals. Expense account item three thirty dollars stenographic and notary services for the attached statements. Mrs. Markham's been having her hair done here for nearly ten years now. Once a week, every Thursday morning. Then she just stopped. I called her home, and Mr. Markham informed me that she was away on an extended trip. Mr. Markham called us, uh, it was last June, and informed us that Mrs. Markham was resigning her membership in the bridge club. I telephoned the house twice to see what was the matter. Mr. Markham answered both times and said Mrs. Markham was out. Well, she used to come in here two or three times a month. Made us go over the car from top to bottom. She hasn't been around now for seven or eight months. I don't know who's taking care of the car. Expense account item 430 cents, three phone calls to the Markham residence. I didn't state any particular business. I simply asked to speak to Mrs. Markham. Each time I called, a male voice answered. Each time, the male voice told me Mrs. Markham was out, she was ill, and she was away on a short trip. Industrial Management Limited, Floyd B. Markham President, has a three-room office suite near the Embarcadero. Ten years ago, it had been sensationally new and glassy. When I got there, the carpet was a little too thin and the varnish a little too thin, too. The whole place smelled faintly of mildew. Yes? I'd like to see Mr. Markham, please. Do you have an appointment? No, no, not exactly. My name is Harris. I'm with the Cleveland Pump Company. Pump Company? Yes, we're setting in 38 of our installations at the new plant in Valparaiso. Didn't you get my letter? Well, I'm sorry. I'm afraid... May I ask your name again? Harris. Stephen B. Harris. Cleveland Pump Company. Oh, yes. Well, Mr. Harris, I'm afraid Mr. Markham never received your letter. When did you mail it? Uh, Thirty days ago. Maybe it was two weeks. Well, tell Mr. Markham I'm here and I'll... I'm sorry, Mr. Harris. Mr. Markham isn't in the office just now. Oh. Well, I'll wait. Uh, well... Well? Uh, he won't be in today... As a matter of fact, he won't be in the rest of the week. Where can I call him? Well, I'm afraid that's impossible. Can't I call him at home? No. 
Now, look, is he in business or isn't he? Mr. Harris, Mr. Markham hasn't been in the office for six months or more. He's he's tied up on a rather long-range project. What's your name? I'm Miss Bidler. Why didn't you say that in the first place, Miss Bidler? Well, Who uh, else can I talk to here? No one, I'm afraid. You mean that's all there is in this office? Just you and him? When he feels like coming in? I'll tell Mr. Markham you were here. The Markham house was on Fiera Della Street, about six blocks from the Fairmont Hotel. Stone walls, iron grill work, tangling ivy. An old house that had been built by rich people for rich people to live in. The kind of shabby-looking place that only New Yorkers and San Franciscans can get by with and still be called wealthy. I used Ed Porter's car, with the Western Life and Trust Company emblem on the door, parked it in the driveway as close as I could to the entrance. It was exactly one o'clock when the door opened. He was tall and pretty, with black hair and broad shoulders. Yes? What is it? I'd like to see Mrs. Markham, please. I'm Mr. Markham. Can I help you? My name's Dollar. I'm with Western Life and Trust Company. Mr. Porter called you? No, he didn't. Oh, well, I must have slipped his mind. He said he was going to call. What's it about? I brought a check from Mrs. Markham on her third endowment policy. Oh. Well, I'll give it to her. She isn't in right now. Well, I'm supposed to deliver it to her. I'll come back another time when she's in. No, you can give it to me. I'll see that she gets in. I'm sorry, Mr. Markham, but I have Look, to Look, I it. know you want to give her the check and try to sell her some more insurance. She's just not in the market. And you can save your little spiel where it'll do some good. Oh, you misunderstand me, Mr. Markham. I have to deliver this to her in person. What's your name again? Dollar. Johnny Dollar. Come in. I'll wait till she comes back and make an appointment. Mr. Porter told me he'd made it for three today, She's so... here, she's here. Just come in. Why the runaround, then? Mrs. Markham is desperately ill. I don't want to disturb her with things like, like this. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. What's the trouble? Very serious anemia. So if uh, if you'll just give me the I check, have a report I... to make out when I deliver this. I just Only told... take a minute to hand her the check. Then it'll be off my mind and off your mind. Now, look here, Mr... Didn't you call the company's home office about this check? I I called because Mrs. Markham requested me to call. Oh, yes. Just uh, wait here. So who has a deeper voice, me or Johnny Dollar? Hmm, that's a tough one. It's mm. Very similar voices. How's this? Yeah. I'm Johnny Dollar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you might need a little more training. I think, huh? You might need to work I'm on that. I'm yours truly. Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny wow. Dollar. CBC has a deeper voice than I do. It's not fair. It's, I don't have it. You just have to learn how to use it properly. Expense account, item one. No. Yes. <laughs> item one. Are we listening to yours truly, Johnny Dollar, the Markham Matter? And what a great cast in here. Bob Bailey, obviously. Paula Winslow, John Daner, Frank Nelson, Virginia Gregg. I mean, they hired all the great, you know, radio pros. We'll get back to this uh, 1956 broadcast in just a moment. I'm still 
If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. On this Johnny Dollar um, program we're listening to, a man seems to be slowly poisoning his wife. Don't you hate when that happens? Oh, man, that's you the know? worst. It's like, you got to really watch gotta check, for that. you got to check that Roma Wines. You know, Dan may have uh, slipped something into there. Yeah, you never you know, know. You never. Don't want to make him angry. Nope, don't make, <laughs> uh, don't make Dan angry. Um. Yeah, it's just, I just hate when that happens yeah, when the it's rough. wife or slowly poisons you, or the or the man. I think it was the other way around, right? <laughs> Either way, yeah. It could work both ways. It could, though, just it could. as well. It could. Those black I widows. I could see doing those it. Those black widows. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge. Yeah. Revenge. Uh. So you saw the Barbie movie, huh? I did. What did you think? I didn't love it as much as um, I know our movie reviewer, Sarah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely she loved, loved it. it. Um, I appreciated the message, but I can't say that I absolutely loved the movie. It just wasn't necessarily my kind of movie that I would appreciate. It wasn't your cup of tea. Right. The tea totally. I, I did that appreciate Barbies as a child, and there were certain. Did you? Very um, you poignant probably had moments. the Barbie you know mansion and and dollhouse and the you have the Barbie Corvette car in the in the dollhouse all that well um, there were a lot of touching moments but I can't say that I absolutely loved it yeah you know what I saw Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible. <laughs> that was let me tell you something that's and, a Carl movie <laughs> and a bunch of people were coming up to me in the theater they thought I was Tom Cruise right and asking me it, for my autograph and you stuff. guys are like twins so I understand I know we should post that picture somewhere well though. if one of me I, and, could do that i would people were just like tom and i was like no oh, i know darn. i look a lot like, like a body him. double maybe you, yeah he doesn't really use a body double does he He does all his stunts himself i understand he does yeah he does yeah so um he may not, not need you. not me i wouldn't be doing those things strapping myself to a <laughs> airplane and <laughs> no jumping off a cliff on a motorcycle and parachuting no. and all the things that no. he does I mean, this, I would do that. That looks fun. No, no, <laughs> no, Mike. You, uh, I need you here uh, for right. the show. We need to keep you around. No, a while. <laughs> no, no, Mr. Bubble Bath. Um, but uh, yeah, a bunch of people coming up to me like, hey, right. Tom, you know, this and that. Did you give any autographs? Or? Yeah, I yeah. signed. I, ha- I have his signature down now. Like I've got it kind of figured out. So sometimes you just sign Tom Cruise I just, just for the sometimes, fun of it. Yeah. Who wants my autograph? Nobody wants my autograph. No, but Tom Cruise. Tom right. Cruise. You, you really do look so much alike. I, know, I could see I know. I where get, the I get confusion happens. I get a lot. Yeah. I'm a little taller though. Than sure. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, you're what, hit about six feet or so? No, I'm 5'11 and oh. three quarters. Okay, so almost so, six feet, right? Almost. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, Mission Impossible was really good. Mm-hmm. Go see that. Um, Barbie, mm, I don't think so. 
Well, you know, that. different strokes. It's going to do folks. like a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like the marketing. A billion. The marketing is over the top. A friend of mine in the business said to me, "What do you think about Barbie?" I said, "It's going to tank." Oh. And he's like, "He's like, really?" <laughs> <You're wrong. laughs> he's like, "Really?" I go, "Oh, it's going to tank." I mean, nobody's going to see that movie. And then he was like, "I think you're wrong." He's like, "Yeah." And I bet him. Uh, um, I bet him it wouldn't do a hundred million dollars. I said, "You lose." And <laughs> so we bet a steak dinner. He texted me the other day. He said, "So far, you owe me seven steak dinners." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, we're listening to yours truly, Johnny Dollar, the Markham Matter, Bob Bailey, starring November eighteenth, nineteen fifty-six. Here's the conclusion. In the little swirl of his exit, I smelled shaving lotion and guessed at the brand name. I also guessed that his suit cost $300, even if I didn't know what San Francisco tailor had made it. The shirt, the tie, the shoes were expensive, too. Yeah, Mr. Floyd Markham liked expensive things. I wondered if he dyed his hair to keep it all black. I wondered if he was 45 or 50. I also wondered why, in a house of that size, on that kind of street, a servant hadn't answered the door. This way, Mr. Dollar. He led me up a flight of stairs and finally into a high-ceiling room with a fireplace at one end. A gray-haired woman with a sharp, angular face was seated near the window, looking out over the city and the bay. She didn't turn her head when we came into the room, but I could see that her eyes were watery and slightly glazed. Please don't take too long and don't upset her. Leslie. Leslie, dear. Yes, Lloyd. This is Mr. Dollar from the insurance company. He has something for you. Now be a good girl, Leslie, and speak to Mr. Dollar. How do you do? And and ask him... Yes. How is Mr. Porter? Oh, he's uh, fine, Mrs. Markham, fine. He'll be sorry to hear that you've been ill. I really would rather that you didn't tell Mr. Porter. Oh. I'm satisfied to make my own slow recovery and not worry any of my friends. He likes some sherry, Floyd. Now you know what the doctor said, Leslie. Mr. Dollar, you'd like some sherry, wouldn't you? Why, yes, I'd like that very much. Floyd? I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar. It's absolutely forbidden. And you know that, dear. Uh, Do you have the check, Mr. Dollar? Yes, right here. Here you are, Mrs. Markham. Thank you. Is there anything else, Mr. Dollar? Well, uh... Mr. Dollar, I... Now, Leslie... Yes? What is it, Mrs. Markham? I'm very tired. Excuse me if I seem impolite. Good day. Good day, Mrs. Markham. Expense account item five ten cents. Phone call to Ed Porter at his office. Yes, Mr. Dollar. Look, Mrs. Markham's five five, about one twenty, black hair, gray streak to the right of the part, blue eyes. Looks about forty years old, a good forty. Why, yes, that sounds like her. You mean you've seen her? I've seen what's left of her, Mr. Porter. Oh, good lord, she's not dead. Almost. What? He's killing her, Mr. Porter. My guess is he's been at it for about six months.
Take a rich old house on a rich old street in San Francisco. Walk in with a legitimate insurance check for $50,000 and tell a man named Floyd Markham you want to deliver it to his wife. Tell him this when you know that no one has seen or heard from his wife in six months. Just tell him you want to see her. Insist that you see her. Then stand around and listen to him lie a couple of times. Then let him take you to her. Give her the check. Say goodbye. Twenty minutes after I walked out of the Markham's house and picked up Ed Porter, we drove back to the house and parked a hundred feet from the entrance. This is the darndest thing I ever heard of, Mr. Dollar. I'm not sure it's all clear to me. What's our position? Oh, I wouldn't know that, Mr. Porter. That's up to the legal department. This much I'm sure of right now. Markham's already deposited $100,000 of her insurance money into a joint account. If I'm not mistaken, this last check will go into that account, too. Right now, while we're sitting here, she's probably endorsing that check. Well, then I don't see where it's any of our He's making her endorse the check. He's making her stay in that house, in that room, away from everybody. Well, how? What way? He said she was ill. You said she appeared ill. I don't see I don't know how he's doing it, but I'm going to find out. Are you sure this isn't all surmise on your part? You weren't in the room when she said, let's have some sherry. Please, let's have some sherry. Well, I, I must be pretty She was dumb. really said... saying, trying to say, she wanted him to leave the room so she could talk to me. So she could have one little minute to tell me what the matter is, what's going on. His next move is to deposit that check. Then one big withdrawal, the whole 150000 and bye-bye Floyd Markham. Mr. Dollar, I'm just an insurance broker. I don't understand that... Well, How'd you like to be an investigator for about ten minutes? Me? Yeah. You see that car that just pulled up in the driveway? Well, yes, The yes. girl driving it holds down that dummy office of Markham's. Her name's Bidler. She might be in on this with him. A and that's Mr. Markham leaving the house. Good. Now, look, here's what you do. Follow them. I think I know where they're going, but you follow them and make sure. Well, where are they going? To the bank to deposit that check. Oh. Well, uh, where are you going? To have that glass of sherry, Mr. Porter. Ed Porter pulled his hat down low over his face and put both hands on the wheel and took out after that 55 Cadillac sedan. I crossed the street, went back up on the porch of the house and knocked. I didn't expect her to answer. I didn't expect anyone to answer, but I wanted to make sure. I went around to the garden. There wasn't a sound in the big old house when I opened the garden door and went up the stairs again. The door to her room was closed. She wasn't by the window anymore. She was stretched out on the divan. I felt her wrist for a pulse. It was there, faint, but there. About three inches up her arm, there was a series of little marks. I lifted one eyelid and felt her neck muscles. She was doped to the ears. Mrs. Markham. Mrs. Markham, can you hear me? Look, I've come to help you. Yes. Yes, I'm going to take you out of here. Now, don't be frightened. Mr. Dollar? That's right. That's right. That's the ticket. Insurance company? Yes. Now I remember. Yes, that's right. Thank you for bringing my check. I don't want... Want... Want what, Mrs. Markham? Want any of my friends to worry. Oh. I'm improving... But I don't want them to know I'm ill. Just say I'm out of town for a while. He told you to say that, didn't he? Yes. He told me to say exactly that. <sighs> Mr. Dollar, don't fool me. 
Please don't fool me. What? You will help me get out of here. You aren't fooling me, are you? Are you? I carried her downstairs and put her in my car and drove her to the St. Regis Emergency Hospital. Expense account item six one hundred dollars deposit with the hospital office. I explained as much as necessary to the intern who promised to advise me when Mrs. Markham became rational. After that, I drove back to the house. Ed Porter's blue coupe was parked across the street. I didn't know what to do but come back here. And when I got back, I didn't know what to do slow either. Slow down, so just... slow down. You're doing fine. Oh, you were right. You were absolutely right. They went straight to the Bank of America to deposit that money. I kind of thought they might be back here by now. No, no, they're over at Angelo's having a drink and some dinner. I followed them there. You're getting to be quite a sleuth, Mr. Porter. Well, I try to do my best and use my head. Uh, Mr. Dollar, did you talk to Mrs. Marker? As much as I could. She was doped. I took her out and put her in the hospital. Oh. Well, should you have done that, Mr. Dollar? I could have left her up in that room to die, Mr. Porter. Oh, yes. <clears throat> well, uh, what's our next move? Ours? Well, certainly. I can't quit now, Mr. Uh, Johnny. <laughs> well, let's go to Angelo's, Eddie. <laughs> Ed Porter settled the hat lower on his ears and gripped the wheel harder, and we took off for Angelo's on Stoker Street. When we got there, we didn't have to go inside to see if our people were still around. The Cadillac sedan was in the parking lot. So we took up a plant across the street. Well, why wait? Why not go in and take them out of there and take them down to the police? Well, that might blow the whole thing. Now we have to wait and see what Mrs. Markham has to say when she's well enough to talk. Yeah, but... Uh... I'm sure she'll have some charges to prefer. In the meantime, we wait and see what's what. Yeah, what do you think he'll do when he goes home and finds her gone? <laughs> well, that'll be pretty interesting. What do you think he'll do? Well, I, I imagine he'll, um, uh, he'll think she got up and walked out. No, no, he knows better than that. He's had her doped up for six months. He knows he can go out of the house and she'll stay right where he left her while he's gone. No, that isn't it. Oh. Well, then he'll know that she had help. That's more like it, Mr. Porter. Uh, I, I like Eddie. It, it gives me kind of a feeling. Okay, Eddie. Now answer the question. Oh, uh, what'll he do? Well, uh, it's, he'll try to get out of town. That's it. He'll try to leave town. He'll know that he's had it. Come on. Huh? They're pulling out. We followed them to a cocktail lounge near the Presidio. We waited around outside the place for two hours. Expense account item seven twenty-five cents. I called the St. Regis Receiving Hospital. Mrs. Markham's condition was unchanged. Item eight, two dollars, two hamburgers, two Cokes and cigarettes for Mr. Porter and myself. We had just finished eating when Floyd Markham's Cadillac turned out onto the street. We followed it for ten minutes. When Markham parked on a dark hill, we cut our lights and came to a stop. Mr. Dollar? Yeah, Eddie? Can you see what they're doing? Yeah. What? Necking. Huh? Necking. You know. I should have telephoned my wife. At 12.10, Floyd Markham turned the car around and drove back into town. We followed once more. We saw him double park outside a four-story apartment house on a steep hill, let the woman out, then drive on. Eddie? Yeah, Johnny? Think you can handle something else alone? Oh, I'd love to. Women sometimes talk a lot easier than men. You keep on him. When he finds his wife absent, I want to know where he goes. Wherever it is, I'll let you know. You gonna shake her down? Uh, something like that. Get going. (laughs) 
I watched my new assistant investigator follow out after Markham's Cadillac. Then I went inside the apartment house. I, Bidler, was on the mailbox of apartment 104. I walked down the hall, listened a minute, and gave it a try. Yes? Well, what on earth are you doing? I'm here to see you, Miss Bidler. It's important. You're, um, Mr. Harris. I'm Mr. Dollar, Johnny Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. Oh. There was something about you today. I I wasn't sure. Now you're sure. Oh, what are you doing? Right now, I'm working for Western Life and Trust Company. You better sit down. Well, I don't know that I'd better do anything, Mr. Dollar. You're rather rude. Then you can stand. We've been checking into Floyd Markham. I don't think I have to tell you what we found out so far. I think you also know that by this time tomorrow he'll be in jail and you might be right along with him. I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar. I simply don't... don't be sorry. Just use your head. I said you might be right along with him. On the other hand, if you have some useful information, the insurance company might be useful to you. What do you mean? Well, I figure he sold you on an island trip or uh, an estate in the country bill of goods. It'll be hard at getting it out of him, but we'll get it one way or another. We'll get it all right. Now, what do you want to do? I... I want a drink. You? No, thanks. I'm... I'm not bad. I'm... I'm not a criminal. I've never been in trouble. You are now. Why? Because I fell in love with him? Because you were helping him kill her. What are you talking about? Mrs. Markham. She's in a hospital right now. What? I took her there myself today. He's had a dope with I don't know what for months. Having her sign checks and doors deposit slips. <sighs> Funny. Is it? He told me that Mrs. Markham was out of town. Divorcing him. I wondered how I... You were right. It was a country estate. In England. A genteel life, he said. The London theater. Walks in the country. Little harmless things that most people can never do. He said we could do them as soon as he cleaned up his affairs. By tonight, he said we could start pack... Packing... I took Iris Bidler with me back to the Markham house. The Cadillac was in the garage and Ed Porter's blue coupe was pulled up across the street. When he saw us in the cab, he walked up. Hi. Hi. How's he doing? Uh, You can talk in front of her. Well, he he hasn't done anything. I mean, I saw the light go on upstairs in Mrs. Markham's room, then it went out again. He's downstairs now, sitting in the living room. Okay. Wait here. Hello, Markham. Hello. If you're worried about your wife, which I doubt, she's in a hospital. Are you a policeman? Insurance investigator. That's Miss Bidler in the taxi over there. Oh. I want you to come with me now. Of course. Yes. uh, You said your name was Dollar? That's right. Why couldn't you have come around, say, next week? She'd have been dead by then. 
That's the way she should have been for 16 years. Dead. Yeah. Come on, Markham. Expense account, item 9, $102, hotel and board in San Francisco. Item 10, $116, airfare back to Hartford. Item 11, $42.16, miscellaneous. Remarks? This one will wind up in court. Mrs. Markham's charges will include attempted homicide, attempt to defraud, attempt to... In the end, it was his attempt to run away, and it didn't work. It never works. Even if you get away, you find something new to run from. Total expenses, $968.20. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Before I do, I want to say something to you about Thanksgiving. Now, there's a day that deserves celebration. And heartfelt thanks to the God who made us for being able to live in the most free and peaceful and bountiful country in the world. And yet, why wait for next Thursday or any Thanksgiving day? For Americans, it seems to me, Thanksgiving should be every day. Think about it, won't you? Next week in our story, New Orleans, the French Quarter, a beautiful girl and high adventure. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in tonight's cast were Lois Corbett, Frank Nelson, Virginia Gregg, Bert Holland, Paula Winslow, and John Daner. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. Back during the golden age of radio, uh, the announcers always had very deep voices. They would cast like the deepest voiced guys. So if I was around back then, I guess I'm I sure been, they would have cast been an announcer. you. Absolutely, you know for sure. Probably wouldn't have been like the star of the show, but I would have been the announcer with this deep mellifluous voice of Absolutely. mine. Absolutely. So anyway, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, the Markham Matter, with Bob Bailey <laughs> as Johnny Dollar. That's good, Carl. <laughs> That's pretty good. John Not as Daner. low as my voice, no. but okay. <laughs> no, well, I mean, Paula Winslow, she was uh, she was Riley's wife on Life of Riley. John Daner, he was in everything. He was Paladin on Have Gun, Will Travel. And Frank Nelson, he was a sort of a semi-cast member on Jack Benny. He was part of his, you know, cast members that did all kinds of funny things on the Benny Show. Anyway, big big cast of uh, professional pros in that episode. Hope you enjoyed that. Time for uh, this month in music history, right? Going back to 1984. This is, that's, yeah, that's um, the guy with one eye and blue eye. (laughs) Um, What the heck is his name now? That's, um, give me his initials. No. Come on, don't do that to me. No. That's, uh, he's got white hair. Yeah. One blue eye, one brown <laughs> that's, eye. That's right. 
Um, so this is called Blue Jean, written and recorded by... Come on, just me the initials. For his album called Tonight. Just the initials. 1984. Come on, He'll humor give it away. Me. Humor me. He'll give it away. Humor me. DB. David Bowie. There it is. Oh, man. All right, thanks, Lisa <laughs> Wolf. We'll be right back. <laughs> More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next hour, it's the Damon Runyon Theater starring John Brown. And then in, it's Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? Right, Lisa? That's right. We're going to do breakup songs. Hang tight. All right. Stick around. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.